0: Janet Stout is the Legionella expert who helped make the direct connection between the Flint water crisis and a deadly outbreak of Legionnaires disease. She offered to test water for the bacteria in Flint for free. Public officials never took her up on the offer and at least a dozen people died of Legionnaires. On this episode of Created Equal, producer Jake Neer's conversation with Dr. Janet Stout. We found it on the principle, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that all men are created equal. Yeah.
1: We talk a lot about lead poisoning in Flint, but we don't always talk quite as much about the actual deaths caused by the switch from Detroit's water system to Flint River water. Those deaths were of course caused by a bacteria, Legionella. Virginia Tech professor Mark Edwards and his team recorded Legionella concentrations roughly seven times higher than normal, which led to two outbreaks in Flint in 2014 and 2015. Ninety people in the county contracted the disease during those two years, and to date, at least 13 have died. The youngest, Jasmine McBride, died six months after her 30th birthday this February. Dr. Janet Stout is the director of Special Pathogens Laboratory. That's the nation's leading Legionella testing lab. She's a former consultant to McLaren Hospital in Flint, and we've invited her on today to explain how deadly this disease is and how the Flint water crisis caused that outbreak. Dr. Janet Stout, welcome.
2: Thank you so much, Jake. It's my pleasure to be with you.
1: Absolutely. What exactly is Legionnaire's disease, and where does this bacteria, Legionella, come from in the first place?
2: Well, Legionnaire's disease is a bacterial pneumonia. It's caused by the bacteria Legionella. And Legionella bacteria, like many bacteria, are naturally found in in our natural water sources, like rivers and lakes, usually in small numbers. And then when that water goes through the treatment plant, Legionella is more resistant to the chlorine that we're used to kill other bacteria, like E. coli. Comes down those pipes to your building, uh, whether it's your home, your hospital, uh, long-term care facilities. And then it gets into the warm water system, and that warm water combined with, you know, nutrients and other bacteria uh, allows Legionella to grow to numbers in that water system that are dangerous, that allow us to get sick and get that Legionnaire's disease pneumonia.
1: So uh, bring that back to Flint and exactly how the switch from Detroit's water system to the Flint River water uh, contributed and, and created the situation where you had this Legionella outbreak.
2: Well, as most of your listeners know, in April of 2014, uh, the the city, in a cost-savings measure, switched from the lake water to the Flint River. And uh, there was some things that didn't sort of get done that would normally be done, like anti-corrosive treatment and things like that, that then created this highly corrosive environment in the pipes. And so what that did is... Uh, like in uh, Dr. Uh, Hannah Atisha's book, increased lead leaching, also increased release of things like iron and other corrosion byproducts, decreased the amount of chlorine in the water. All of that contributed to an increase in the conditions that allow Legionella to grow. And so they were were definitely temporally linked, meaning that April 2014, the switch occurred, and the cases of Legionnaire's disease began to occur shortly after that. And what's really remarkable is that normally in Genesee County in Flint, Michigan, the number of cases of Legionnaire's disease is somewhere around 10 to 13 every year. And in 2014, there were 44 cases, and in 2015, there were 46 cases, well above the normal baseline. So that's why the occurrence of the Legionnaire's disease outbreak is associated with the switch to the Flint River water source.
1: And still, uh, it took a long time to really make that direct connection. Um, After reviewing a research paper about a study done by Virginia Tech professor Mark Edwards, you were quoted as saying, uh, this paper by Dr. Edwards uh, shows that the water quality disruptions in Flint directly contributed to the presence of Legionella bacteria and the disease cases that subsequently occurred. I'm curious. You know, because there was so much back and forth about whether it was directly connected before that, how were you able to finally make that direct connection?
2: Well, um, as I read um, Dr. Hannah Atisha's book about the lead uh, crisis and how the public health authorities um, sort of lagged behind and didn't do some of the testing that was necessary to make that link— Uh, The same kind of thing happened in Flint with regard to Legionella. Now, both the investigators at Virginia Tech and Michigan State showed that there was a link based on uh, chemistry data, corrosion byproducts data, and made that link in terms of a study of the patterns of those uh, occurrences. What happened with the Legionella piece is that immediately when I was asked to comment, which was in early 2015, Uh, I had a phone call with the Genesee County Health Department. I said, the first thing you need to do is test the water in the homes of the patients that are getting Legionnaire's Disease and throughout the water distribution system to see if Legionella is there. And that, to your listeners, is sort of a no-brainer, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you you suspect the water to be the source of Legionnaire's Disease uh, epidemic that was occurring, you would test the water. And I recommended to them that they get in touch with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention because they will send a team, if asked, to do that type of sampling. And I was very, very surprised to find out later that the state health department kind of chastised the county and said, you're not allowed to ask the CDC to come. Only we can ask the CDC to come And then the CDC was not asked by the state to come and do that testing, which is critical in making that direct link, meaning I've got the Legionella bacteria from the water and I've got the Legionella bacteria from the patients and I can make that link, which is called an epidemiologic link. So that testing was never done, despite the fact that another sort of level of frustration for me is I was offering to do this testing in our laboratory here in Pittsburgh, the Special Pathogens Laboratory, for free. And I offered to do that testing of the residents' homes to the health department, to the EPA, And I was always surprised, you know, nobody took me up on that offer.
1: Yeah, back in 2016, you said that the big question you had here was why state officials and others uh, failed to request or accept assistance from the CDC, the EPA, yourself, others. Um, You know, now in 2019, do we have a clearer answer to, uh, to why that was?
2: Well, I think the answer to that is probably coming through in a lot of the the legal work that's being done. I think that there were failures, you know, much like the lead crisis. There were failures failures along the way, both in terms of the way the water was treated, the lack of testing the water for Legionella bacteria. There's a question as to whether or not some of those decisions not to collect data was intense. I'm Ann Delisi, I'm Rob Reinhart. And we're about to bring back the perfect opportunity to honor your favorite pet and support WDET.
0: During our spring fundraiser, Ann and I will combine our shows so you can honor your dog.
2: Or your cat.
0: Or your dog. And WDET with a gift of support.
2: We're looking forward to hearing about your pets, no matter what kind of cat that is.
0: Cats and dogs and any other pet you may have will be part of our fundraiser.
2: And if you can't wait till the weekend, make your gift now at WDET.org give. Or call 800
0: 959
1: For the average person out there who is concerned about this, especially if they are uh, at heightened risk for contracting Legionnaire's disease, what are the most important things that they can do to protect themselves?
2: Uh, Well, that's a great question, Jake. Uh, What I always tell people is that if you are diagnosed with pneumonia, so the physician is listening to your chest or they've done a, a chest x ray and say, you've got pneumonia. Uh, one of the things you can do to advocate for yourself with regard to Legionnaire's disease is say, test me for Legionnaire's disease. The reason that they don't normally do that is that the disease is relatively rare uh, in the community, causing about 2 to 5% of the pneumonias that occur uh, annually. So ask the physician to do a, a urine test, so it's an easy specimen to get, for Legionella and ask them to treat you with an antibiotic that covers the most common forms of bacteria, pneumonia, but Legionella as well. And examples of that are levofloxacin and azithromycin or a Z-PAC. So many people get z for sinus infections, for example. That's the drug that's very effective in the treatment of Legionnaires' disease. The other thing I, I tell people is... Um, Unless you really, really, really have to, I would avoid uh, getting into hot tubs and things that are, as you travel around, uh, because sometimes they're not well-maintained, and they have been a source of travel-associated Legionnaire's disease. Hmm. So those are a couple of key things that you can do to advocate for yourself.
1: That's a bummer for certain people I know that probably are going around. Yeah, going I'm sorry, a on vacation. Be a party pooper,
2: but I, <laughs> knowing what I know, I, I feel I must share that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one of the one of the things that you just mentioned, though, is that that um, diagnosis of pneumonia and how that relates to Legionnaires' disease. I want to bring this back to uh, the Flint water crisis because, according to state officials, so far at least 13 people have died from Legionnaires from the Legionnaires' outbreak there. But um, you know, experts say. It could be up to 115 people, and, and that, ha- that discrepancy has something to do with the diagnosis of just plain old pneumonia, right?
2: Yes, right. So, so when uh, you get pneumonia and you go to your physician and they sort of look at how you present, meaning the signs and symptoms, you have high fever, you have cough. Well, those are generalized symptoms that Legionella pneumonia shares with all other forms of bacterial pneumonia so a physician can't tell by looking at you that you have Legionnaires disease pneumonia they have to order the specific diagnostic tests which are as I say the urine test or culture of the sputum and the respiratory secretions that may be produced when you have pneumonia so those are the tests that they have to order many physicians under ordinary circumstances won't even think about Legionella in the, what's called the differential diagnosis of pneumonia. They don't even, it's not even on their radar. And so this is one of the reasons that it's so important in an outbreak situation for that information, that communication to go out to the community and the physicians in the community to raise that index of suspicion, that raise that probability of the doctors ordering Legionella tests. If they don't do the test, you don't get the diagnosis. And so what I think you're referring to, Jake, is that During that period of the outbreak, there were many cases of pneumonia, a large proportion of which didn't have Legionella diagnostic testing performed. And so the question remains, were those cases of Legionnaire's disease or were they just sort of normal pneumonia? And I think some of the data that was uncovered by the frontline folks shows a spike in overall pneumonia that coincided with the outbreak. So that leaves that lingering question.
1: I just mentioned that you had concluded that bacteria likely entered McLaren Hospital. Now, you were, you were hired on as a consultant for McLaren Hospital in Flint, is that correct?
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. So about, about five, six months after I was initially contacted by the health department, um, they recommended that uh, McLaren uh, Flint Hospital contact uh, our group and our consulting group to help them deal with the impacts of the outbreak on them.
1: Yeah, and, and McLaren suffered what is now known as the largest healthcare-associated Legionnaires outbreak known in the United States. Talk about uh, sort of being on the, the, the ground level for that.
2: Well, what what your listeners might not sort of understand is that people that are in the hospital already have health conditions that have gotten them there right? right many of those conditions are what are called risk factors for legionnaires disease meaning they might have chronic lung disease they might have diabetes they might have cancer and and being given immunosuppressive cancer therapy and certainly elderly so that kind of patient population was typical in the hospital at McLaren, like many hospitals across the United States. So that patient population is at greater risk just in general. And then you lay on top of that a community-wide event impacting the water quality, increasing the conditions for Legionella to grow. So it's kind of a double whammy if you're a hospital in Flint. And so McLaren was experiencing just what uh, I and other experts would predict. They were seeing more cases in their water distribution system. And remember what I told you about how when the water comes into the building and it goes into the warm water system and those are conditions where Legionella can grow. Well now you've got water main breaks, brown water, high corrosive uh, materials, including iron, which turns out to be a growth requirement for Legionella, well, then that growth within that hospital water system is going to be even greater. Mm. And so it's uh, it's really not surprising that not only would they be affected, but they would be disproportionately affected. Uh,
1: this was, an, uh, in, you could say, an isolated incident, but at the same time, it also connects with uh, just the, the sort of fundamental bureaucratic systems that were in place at the time. You talk about one agency deferring or claiming territory over another that was a contributor in this. Uh, do you see any signs that uh, bureaucrats have learned lessons from what happened in Flint?
2: Certainly, I'm a glass-half-full person, so I'm I'm very hopeful that uh, lessons have been learned, and and certainly uh, Dr. Hannah Atish's book will help move that forward. Um, one of the things in her book that was a little sad was that you know, there was an outbreak in Washington, D.C. of lead poisoning uh, as a result of water treatment, and those lessons were not learned and, and applied in Flint. Um, so I, uh, I'll, I'll just leave it as I'm a glass-half-full person, <laughs> and I'm, I'm very hopeful that we do learn from the mistakes of the past.
0: Dr. Janet Stout is a Legionella expert and the president and director of the Special Pathogens Laboratory at the University of Pittsburgh. Stout helped make it clear that the switch to Flint River water directly led to an outbreak of Legionnaires' disease in Flint, which killed at least a dozen people. She spoke with producer Jake Neer, on the next episode of Created Equal, we conclude our series on the Flint water crisis with our live event featuring What the Eyes Don't See author Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha and Michigan State Senate Minority Leader Jim Ananek, who lives in and represents Flint. I mean, you can probably tell in my voice. I mean, I was scared. did like, I mean, What's going to happen to my son? And I think I was speaking on behalf of myself 100%. I mean, there's no question I was thinking about my family, but I was also thinking about all the other kids, and I'm, you know, charged with representing. Created Equal is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Our executive producer is Joan Cherry Isabella. Our producers are Elena Fruget, Jake Neer, and Anna-Marie Seisling. Our sound engineers are Matt Trevethan, Rowan Niamisto, and Rasan Cherry. Senior editor and musical composer is Sam Bobian. Our digital and social media team is Maida Stangy, Shiraz Ahmed, and Tony Brown. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson.